0: give theory a chance. In this episode, we are joined by Douglas Hartman, Professor and Chair of Sociology at the University of Minnesota. We discuss how discovering CLR James shaped Doug's understanding of race and resistance. In particular, Doug reflects on how James' memoir on cricket provides a valuable resource for understanding sports and politics. Thank you for joining us today.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So we are here today to talk about Sorel Lionel Robert James, who's better known as C.L.R. James. Could you provide us a short introduction to what he's known for?
1: Yeah, he's a theorist of race and colonization, kind of out of a Afro-Caribbean tradition in the 1920s and 30s. Today we'd probably think of him or call him kind of part of the canon of the subaltern theorists. He was really interested in understanding colonialism, how racism intersected with that, and then especially opportunities for resistance and change.
0: Now, do you get a sense that James is someone who's widely read in in sociology, or is his influence more outside the discipline, or even just within specific subfields?
1: I think, in general, I'd say James is far more widely read uh, outside of sociology and cultural studies, ethnic studies, um, media kind of contexts because um, he's, he's really is kind of more of a humanist theorist and a, a theorist of change, but he also writes in a very not kind of social scientific way. He, to the extent he's read in sociology, I'd say it's a, from people in a critical theory tradition and probably even more on the cultural studies side of critical theory and sociology than on the race side. The other place that you probably would encounter him is uh, theorists of globalization and especially of the kind of subaltern or the theorists of the South, I think he's still kind of seen as the canonical um, scholar for those traditions. And so I think you'd find him in some of those contexts as well. Do you think that has served as a barrier of sort to
0: his larger inclusion within sociology? Because as a discipline, we're not really known for loving optimism, especially, especially looking at sport, we're not the most optimistic sub-discipline either.
1: I don't think it. I don't think sociologists are even very aware of that. I do think some sports scholars might be, and it could help explain why he's maybe not a little more well known or widely used, even for sports scholars who are theorizing resistance and change, because um, they really are far more critical, not only than him, but even of, than of what I've just said. I think they really see sport far more through a lens of of um, of domination. Uh, and alienation, and so even the liberal stuff for them is almost always all ideology or deception.
0: Okay, so then when did you first become aware of, of his ideas?
1: Yeah, it was when I was in graduate school. I was in a really non traditional sociology program, or I should say, a program that was really far more qualitative and critically theoretically oriented and I worked at UC San Diego. I worked with some cultural studies and ethnic studies scholars as much as sociologists. I think it might've been George Lipsitz when he was at San Diego. He was one of my committee members who introduced me to CLR James. So it wasn't from the sociology side of things. And I got aware of him then maybe halfway through my program. And then I got asked or offered the opportunity to teach a class on sociology of sport. I made the kind of crazy, exciting decision to use James's memoir, um, Beyond a Boundary, which is about his personal experiences with cricket, um, in that class. So it was really through teaching that I really got deeply into James and his ideas. Do you remember the first
0: time you actually read his work, his original text, rather than just being aware of him as this theorist of race and resistance?
1: Oh, absolutely. It was, it was in preparation for that class, because I was... Re- and you know, I had a few months to get ready, and I was reading all these books and so I had this long list of things on my list. He might have been in my prelim, but I don't think I really read him, but i I read this book beyond a boundary, and was considering like you know what's what readings to assign. And so that was the one that I decided on. I thought I was engaging and provocative. He's a beautiful, poetic writer. I was very biographical, which I thought would draw students in. I think it did, but I also think it's really hard if you read James, especially that book. I mean, it's so personal and such a narrative that it's sometimes hard to draw out the kind of more basic or general theoretical stuff. So, that was, that was like teaching it. I was kind of glad people read it, but it was harder to draw that out. And then also a lot of American students didn't know very much about cricket or Caribbean history. So it was kind of had to do a lot of work to put that, put that into context.
0: So considering that kind of poetic style of writing and that biographical style of writing, was there an idea that you drew out that had a significant influence on you, or was it more the whole package of the book that, really, that you found exciting?
1: Originally, it was the whole package of the book. I especially um, thought the narrative that he tells of how he learned about society and politics through sport and not the other way around um, really meshed with how I think about things in coming to sport. That And that kind of is how he drew, draws you in in the book and then how that's kind of not part of the Western tradition, especially sports and popular culture and how we've in the West devalued those experiences. So that story was powerful uh, for me. Then I think the teaching experience kind of helped me see why, you know, how challenging it was to take that very powerful narrative style um, and make it into social theory. So, you know, that, one of the things that happened out of that was I ended up writing a paper attempting to do that. And the paper was like about using CLR James as kind of a resource for rethinking our ideas about race and sports and resistance. One of the big ideas I kind of think of myself always returning to his idea of sport as a contested racial terrain. Um, and he really influenced my thinking on that. Other people would be like um, Stuart Hall or in the Gramscian tradition, but, but, but James really influenced me for that. So I wrote this conference presentation and then paper trying to bring out the passages and ideas in that magistral book um, and kind of connect them to social theory so that's where I really dove deep and found a lot of resources to really try to rethink or deeper understand the react- the connections among race sport and social change
0: would you would you be willing to explain that seems like such a, a central concept to the influence that he's had on you what that means sport as a contested terrain especially in thinking about race
1: a lot of Americans and and people all over the world tend to be really optimistic about sports as a site for racial progress and advancement, um, to the extent that they kind of over-idealize and generalize how great sport is um, for uh, um, people of color all over the world. And as a result, an awful lot of the social science and sociology in particular, both empirical work and theory, emphasizes all of the ways that sport Reproduces racial inequalities and stereotypes and exploitates um, athletes of color and, and how they're um, really controlled um, and, and stereotyped through sports. So for me, I've always tried to understand how do, those, how do you make sense of those two things together? Um, and it requires a kind of vision that both of those things are kind of happening. There's opportunities for advancement and change in and through sports, and maybe even more opportunities in other domains. But there's also ways that sports reproduces social inequalities in, in some of the worst kind of ways. So that, to me, is, it's contested. It's, it's challenged and conflicted its role in race relations. And the other thing I guess I should say, it's also very public. So this happens very prominently. The race relations are played out on the stage of sports. So, James, for me, was a great example of that because, on the one hand, um, he learned a ton about politics and racism and colonialism through being a cricket. Um, playing cricket and having friends who are really top international cricket players, like how hard it was and the challenges they faced. But he really saw this as a unique opportunity uh, because he saw that cricket players from the Caribbean in particular had a lot of social cultural capital and public attention because they were such great athletes. And if they thought about that the right way and used it the right way, they could use that to push back against the stereotypes that they encountered. And even the unjust Things that they experienced in the world of sport, so for me, James always had this kind of bifocal or uni- multi dimensional vision of sport, both as a being a source of racial and social um, problems but also as presenting opportunities to push back that were based on the fact that there were so many successful people of color in their arena, and they had a real broader p- prominence because of that, and that allowed them to be more socially active, politically vocal. And so when I think about contested, sport as a contested terrain, that really is right at the core of how I like to think about sport in this kind of contradictory paradoxical way of how it relates to larger ideas about
0: race and inequality. So you have a number of projects that study sport and culture. Do you have one in mind that comes particularly to mind where you draw on this idea of sport as a contested terrain, in the way that you, you saw in James's book? Any particular project that really illustrates that influence?
1: Yeah, my first book for sure on the 1968 Black Olympic protest movement, um, because this was um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos and all their compatriots at San Jose State and then on the USA Olympic team in 1968. They They experienced tons of racism in sport, but they also wanted to use their prominence as Top international athletes to push back against racism and to contribute back to the civil rights movement and the Black Power movement, and so I think they really put into practice some of the opportunities that James saw from an early, you know, a, dec- a generation earlier about taking the, their prominence as athletes, but forcing the rest of the world to not see them only athletes, but as social beings um, with a voice and with a passion and an agenda. You know, they used their, they took the year before the games to try to organize a boycott of the games to call attention to racial injustices and contribute to the movement for change. They had some success there, but then they had monumental success in a symbolic way when they, when Tommy Smith and John Carlos stepped on the victory stand during the national anthem and raised their fists in an act of defiance and protest. And I think that's kind of what James talked a lot about, about how athletes could use their notoriety their fame to call attention, not only to people who already agree with them, but especially to people that didn't, to the ongoing problems of the social world. And I think their example really fits with some of the cricket professionals who he had worked with in the 20s and 30s, who did something similar um, in speaking out against not only racism, but colonialism.
0: You mentioned one of the things that drew you into the book was his style of writing and how, how beautiful and descriptive it was. Are there any lessons to be learned there for social scientists? Or, or I suppose another way to think about it is, can someone in sociology or, or geography or political science, can you write like that? Or is it simply not possible to do within the, the confines of the disciplines?
1: Well, he, he wrote a lot of other things, too, that are probably a little bit more models for how to write for academic circles. You know, the, the thing that's crazy and, and unique about beyond, about beyond a Boundary Um, this is, is it's really his biography. So it's really a memoir. I think of it as his kind of masterpiece, but it really is. It pulls in, in this kind of deeply personal narrative way, all these ideas about race and resistance and actually popular culture more generally, um, into the story of his life. Um, I don't know that we can do that. Like when we're writing for sociological theory or theory in society, but I do think, um, when you have more of a book format or writing for a public audience, James's book reminds me of the power of stories and the power of connecting people to stories that are there's a personal angle to it. Um again, we don't we can't write whole memoirs to do that, but I do think kind of acknowledging where we come from, our own positionality, telling that story a little bit about what draws you into a particular topic and how you think about it. Um, I mean, I'm not nearly the kind of poetic, uh, lyrical writer that he is, but even, you know, the start of my 68 Olympic book, I try to tell a little bit the story of how this kind of paradoxical view of sport was a biographical experience for me because I grew up in a really segregated town where the only interaction I had with kids of color in my earliest childhood years were through sports. So I thought sports was this great arena for interracial interaction and Cost, cultural understanding, and then I got to college and read sociology of sport, and it looks really the opposite. Um, it's all about inequalities and, and injustices and stereotypes, and so I always was trying to grapple with putting those things together. I only wrote about that probably a few pages in the first part of the book, but I I think I got probably some sense of inspiration from James in that to kind of locate my own interests and the project. in in the context of of my own biography and storytelling.
0: One one other question I was hoping to ask you was how you see his work aligning with other key theorists in the field or other theorists that you've drawn on. If you see it uh, working well in conjunction with anyone or maybe even having tension with particular ideas that you also employ.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'll focus just on two two dimensions of that really quickly. I think the most obvious set of connections, and I probably have alluded to this a time or two already, is the connections to cultural theorists in the kind of Gramscian tradition, probably Stuart Hall's the most um, well-known one these days, thinking about the cultural and ide- ideological dimensions of social domination and control, and then also about the power of popular culture not only as part of those systems of hegemony, but also as opportunities for resistance and, and pushback. So I really see James as fitting in that tradition. And I tried to draw some of that out when I wrote the more theoretical article that I did. The other one I really mentioned that's in that article too is a more kind of dramaturgical or cultural theory part of sociology in that kind of like Clifford Geertz tradition may, and especially Geertz's, I think really of his deep play article to see the importance of popular cultural practices and how they can really help us understand better what people in their own lives, what really motivates them, what they're passionate about. You know, that was when he, he was interested in the cockfight, or maybe it could be for American baseball. But when you dig into those forums, you learn not only why people like baseball or cockfights, but you learn that that's connected with a lot of other things that they value And are passionate about in society. So these cultural forms reveal things about our deeper, both values and norms, but also our deeper social structure. Um, So I actually did a lot of work in that article to try to show how that tradition, which sociologists understand really well, maybe in a kind of reflectionist theory or functionalist theory about how culture is a model of and model for social structure, I I think that there's a lot of that underlying James's thinking as well. So I wrote a lot about trying to show that and try to kind of put James in the tradition of this Geertzian interpretivist approach to thinking about culture and its significance in our social lives.
0: So you've explained uh, the influence that James has had upon your work. Do you call him to critique any of his ideas, or do you see your work uh, more just focusing on expanding and and testing his ideas in the field?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. I was hate to criticize works that I'm so dependent on and respectful of. There is one thing about James's work that I, I find a little bit limiting or problematic. He He's, in a certain way, really optimistic, far more so than I am, about the ideas, the liberal ideas about sport as championing fairness and meritocracy and opportunity. Uh, now, he has no illusions that it doesn't always do that, But I think he really does think that sports, especially in the British tradition, the team sports around um, like cricket or rugby or soccer, cultivated ideas about fairness and fair play, as well as merit and opportunity, that he actually really thought, like, for example, that some of his friends who played sports became really political precisely because they believed those ideals so much and they believed those liberal ideals kind of they got drawn into them through the world of sport. I can see that. I believe that. I just think there's limitations to that both in terms of sport's own contradiction of its own ideals of meritocracy and fairness. I think in the American experience at least there's for every opportunity that you see in the history of sport and race, there's also pushback and opposition and racism and discrimination. So there's so I think it's kind of important to not miss those. And then also um, to not miss the fact that some of these ideas about opportunity and fairness and merit are actually in the Western tradition deeply problematic in themselves. Um, They might be a powerful and important starting point for resistance and change, uh, but they also can be a set of ideas or even ideologies that can sometimes be used to legitimate existing inequalities. I think James wrote about that in some of his other work, maybe more effectively, but in Beyond a Boundary, um, it comes off as pretty optimistic about sport as cultivating those ideals and those ideas as being really forces for change rather than systems of ideological reproduction.
0: You've already done this a bit, but I'm hoping as a as a conclusion, if you could reflect on your experience and imagine you're standing in front of uh, all the important members of our discipline or even just undergrads or grad students, what, do you, what would you say is the value of engaging in his work if you had to summarize or, or kind of champion the cause of going back and reading CLR
1: James when not enough of us do? First and foremost, it's just taking sports seriously as a social force. Not dismissing it as a play place or something sacred and beyond any kind of problems, but really taking it seriously and thinking about how it's embedded in the larger world and how it reproduces many of those problems. That's the first and main thing. The second part of that, though, that follows really quickly and closely afterwards is then seeing the opportunities for resistance and change in a very popular arena like sports, the opportunities it presents at an individual level for mobility and and achievement, but also at a larger cultural level for social movements, for protests and advocacy. I think that's, to me, what really then sets James apart from other theorists of sport, even that have a pretty sophisticated vision in really trying to draw out the ways that sport can be kind of mobilized for purposes of resistance and change. You know, if I want to extend that one step further, that he does that on the terrain of race and colonialism, race in particular for me has been very important. But I think um, if you can kind of see that, how his life story, his memoir, the analysis he has about athletes in a global kind of context, pushing back against colonialism, that's a pretty rich story and way of thinking about sports that I don't think is really captured or reflected um, in any other theoretical tradition. I think you see other kind of cultural theorists about race and change out of a kind of Gramscian and Stuart Hall tradition that, help us get there as well. But nobody to me that is decisive and insistent as James was in his time about cricket and sports being at the center of both understanding colonialism and racism and pushing back against them. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Appreciation goes to Jeffrey Gilbert for providing our theme song, undergraduate sociologists, Alicia Rios and Simone Graham for their help with the project. And most importantly, on behalf of me, Kyle Green, thank you for giving theory a chance.